Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, uh, this week's episode is the Pisco Sour. Um, in case you don't know, Pisco is a colorless or yellowish to amber colored brandy produced in winemaking regions of Peru and Chile. And it's made by... Where? Dis- Chile. Um, in case you don't know, it's pronounced Chile, mm, not mm. Chile. Um, <laughs> and it's made by distiller- distilling fermented grape juice into a high proof spirit. Interesting. I'm trying to figure out what makes something wine and what makes something brandy. Maybe the, the higher dis- proof. The distilling process yeah. and what you're doing to it. Not putting it in an oak barrel, perhaps. Perhaps, yes. Okay. Um, so today we are comparing two different kind of Pisco Sours. We have the Peruvian and the Chilean. And the Peruvian one, kind of special. Yes, yes. Our, our friend Caroline went to Peru. Yeah. And brought back a, a vi- very humorous, <laughs> very <a> phallic <laughs> bottle of uh, Pisco. Yeah. Go check out our Instagram for that photo. Definitely. Um, so we started off with the Peruvian Pisco Sour, and it's made with three ounces of Pisco and one ounce of fresh lime juice, one ounce of simple syrup, one fresh egg white, and two to three dashes of Angostura bitters. So <clears throat> we had previously on other episodes... For a simple syrup, we had purchased a simple syrup, and then when we were getting ready to like make the drinks, you were like, "Okay, and where's our Emma? Mm, that's at my house. We don't have that." <laughs> um, and I was like, "I'm pretty sure you can just make it." I feel like Matt told me we could just make it, and we Googled it, and it is. I'm embarrassed that we bought it to begin with. Yes, uh, you straight up take a cup of sugar and a cup of water, and you boil it, boil it until the sugar is completely dissolved, and then you like chill it back down it i'm it it was like maybe two cents to make and we bought the bottle for what we said like 10 bucks i'm gonna guess ten dollars Jeez, i'm in the wrong business we need to start a simple syrup yes business <laughs> that's all market like you make some sort of like cool label mm-hmm. yeah a simple you know what label. looking ahead to the future yeah um oh. killer cocktails <gasps> simple syrup yes <laughs> Now that we've told them how easy it is <laughs> and not to ever buy it. We'll make it fun. But our label will be really cool because our logo's rad. It's, lo- it's super Thank rad. you, Michelle Firm, for our amazing logo. Yeah. Um, no, I think we'll make it five bucks. We're not yeah. animals. <laughs> we just talk about murder and horrible things. That's, yeah, that too. So, Jackie, so I know we haven't had the Chilean Pisco Sour yet, but how are you liking the Peruvian? Okay. I really like it. Okay. I've had a Pisco Sour before, and I enjoyed it when I had it before. Not, I was not in Chile or Peru when I had it. Um, when you first handed this to me, it looked refreshing and delicious. I'll just say, like, the froth with the bitter, like, it's a good-looking drink. Mm-hmm. Um, I tasted it and went, ah, okay, well, what did I say to you? That's a drink. That's a drink. Uh, it is really growing on me. It's nice. It's super refreshing. I enjoy it. It's been hot out. Mm-hmm. This is a great it's hot out drink yeah. for sure. Yeah. And also, if you need some protein or what's in egg whites that's good for you? <laughs> the protein? protein? Yeah, I'm going to say protein. Yeah. You know, a little, you know, it's not a, it's not a protein shake, but it's as close <laughs> as you're going to get drinking. Not going to lie. 
I hate eggs, and you know this. Yeah. About me. Um, and the fact that we are drinking raw egg whites. Yeah. Is kind of creeping me out, but now that I've finished my Pisco, I don't care. Here's how I'm going to make you feel better about it, and I love that you guzzled it that quick. <laughs> uh, whenever I get weirded out about like eggs in a drink or something, I go, mm, "You don't seem to have a problem eating cookie dough." Oh, I love eating cookie dough. Yeah, and I just ignore the fact that everyone's like, "Oh, you'll get salmonella." Fuck it. Worth I, it. I feel like I have a strong gut, and I don't. Oh, you don't. No. <laughs> I'm just going to die during the middle of this. Great. Oh, great. <laughs> um, but yeah, not going to lie. Uh, not going to lie. Yeah, I'm never lying. Okay. So when, when I, I lived in Chile for a little bit mm-hmm. and I would drink these Pisco Sours, uh, the Peruvian style, and I swear the, the egg white froth at the top would taste like vomit to me. And this mm. one, for some reason, isn't. So I don't Maybe know Maybe they why. were vomiting in your drink. Oh, God. I did find a couple pubes in my meals when I was down there. No. Like, through the course of the two years. hold (laughs) on. Is it not probably more likely that it was a beard hair? You know, it was curly. Some people have curly. They don't really have curly hair. So, mm, I, well, (laughs) maybe. I'm trying to make it so you didn't have pubes in your food, but... I've come to terms with it. It's fine. Um, So after this, we will be trying the Chilean version. And main difference is? And the main difference is the Chilean version um, uses a Chilean Pisco. So we were using a Peruvian Pisco. Well, how are the Piscos different? We don't know. Why would you ask me that? (laughs) Seems like an obvious question. Um, I think it's kind of like... I'm, we'll say the fermenting process is different. I'm the distilling sh- is different. Yeah, I'm shooting from the hip, but, you know, like different wines, like while, Spanish while wine. While you continue talking, okay. I'll look it up. Okay. I This is what I think. You know how Spanish wine is from Spain and Chilean wine has Chilean wine? Oh, you know what I mean? I think it's where it's made. That's fair. And so we use the Chilean... Like you, like you can't call it champagne unless it's from Champagne. Champagne. Yeah. And so we used a Chilean Pisco. Go check out the Instagram to see which one we used. And we're supposed to use pica lime, which is these limes from pica chile. But I couldn't find any to save my life, so we just did regular limes. And it excludes the bitters and the egg whites. So I think I'm going to be jazzed about that. And it uses about two ounces of Pisco instead of three ounces, so less boozy. And it uses more simple syrup. All right. So it's going to be sweeter. Oh, my goodness. I thought I found an answer, which I did, but this looks like a novel. <laughs> Read it uh, I'll me. give you... Here's the, like, Google's synopsis. Uh, main differences between Peruvian and Chilean... Uh, yeah, okay. Chilean Piscos. Uh, each country has specific regions and grapes, which, if processed properly, can become Pisco. The grape varieties overlap from uh, Chile to Peru, uh, but use different nomenclature. Hmm. Ooh, Perfect. we've got a little which one's better thing going on here. We'll do our own little quiz, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right now, this drink's winning, but... We haven't had the other one yet. We haven't had the other one. Um, so, no matter which one you're making, you want to take all these ingredients and put it in a shaker, fill it with ice, and then shake it good and hard. Especially if you're doing the Peruvian one, because you want to froth up that egg white. Um, and then you're going to strain that into a lowball glass or a champagne flute. And then... Um, Depending on which one you're doing, you'll do the bitters or no bitters. All right. So that's how you make the drinks. So let me tell you about the history. Ooh. So for years, Peru and Chile have had this legendary fight over bragging rights for the real birthplace of the Pisco Sour drink and of Pisco itself. 
Chileans say that the pisco was invented on Chilean soil and therefore belongs to them. Okay. But this is debatable since a dispute over territory borders dating back to the 1500s makes it hard to pinpoint oh. if this is true or not. So they also say that the cocktail was invented in their country in the town of Iquique. Oh. But that's also northern Chile, so yeah, that territory border kind of thing. Okay. Um, and then, so the Peruvians say that the Pisco Sour was invented by this American bartender named Victor Morris at this bar in Lima during the 1920s, which I think is funny because it's an American bartender in Peru. Plus, I feel like all of these drinks that we talk about originated in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a good time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> but not Prohibition's really. just about to take <laughs> off. And, um... So they th- they're saying 1920s. However, a Peruvian cookbook from 1903 was recently oh, found, and shit. it shows that the pisco sour might have been a long-standing drink even before Victor Morris made it in 1920. All right, but still Peruvian. So historians believe that the pisco sour was inspired by earlier cocktails such as the whiskey sour or the silver sour. Yeah. So, for example, the first printed recipe for whiskey sour appeared uh, appeared in 1887 in Jerry Thomas's A Bartender's Guide, making it likely that Victor Morris was familiar with these cocktails from the sour family. So, adding a lime to a to a booze to me is not a novel idea. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's delicious. It's mm-hmm. probably one of my favorite ways to have a drink. But I think really, it's who's who's. I, I think it all comes down to the grapes. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that they both call it Pisco, but I guess there's a lot of blending of, is it kind of like if there was a drink developed in, uh, like San Diego a really long time ago, like debatably that was Mexico. And is it an American drink? Is uh, it a Mexican drink? Yeah, yeah. Because the borders and lines blur depending on the year. Yeah. Kind of in that same vein. I think vein. it's like that. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, either way. We'll probably never really know where exactly it was invented. But it's delicious. It's delicious. And I like that each country takes their own twist on it, too. Yeah. So I think there's the Peruvian Pisco Sour and there's the Chilean and everybody has a good time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the history of the Pisco Sour. And right now I am drinking a Pisco Cola. I refresh my drink. Um, and essentially it's just Pisco and Coca-Cola. It's like a rum and Coke. And it's pretty nice. Are you in a Coca-Cola Classic? Coca-Cola Classic, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's one of the ones with the names <gasps> on it. I think it says Maria. Do you, that's <laughs> funny. Do you know what we should have done what? had we thought about it? Okay. Coke is different when you get it in America and when you get a Mexican Coke mm. in glass. And I feel like a glass cola with real sugar would really put you in the really put you in the zone. In the zone? Mm-hmm. A Mexican cola? Yeah. I get you're making a face at me because it's we're talking about Chilean and Peruvian. I get it. But the recipe for the soda in all of Latin America, like it's America that's drinking this high fructose corn syrup. Yeah. And that is my point. Okay. Giving me this face. (laughs) Wanted to give you this face. Jackie, you white girl. (laughs) Chile. And the reason why we keep saying Chile, and Jackie yeah. did a little thing at the beginning, is because we have this one friend, Ben, who always gets on my nuts about saying Chile. Um, Every time you say it, he goes, where? Where? Excuse me, where was it? It's not Chile. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but yeah, there's that. So I hope you've mentally prepared for my murder this week. Yeah. I think you've kind of realized what my tone is every week. Am I just immune to mine because I'm telling them, or are yours... 
more detail. Yours was pretty bad last week. You were, yeah. I feel like your comments, and I, I, I kind of caught myself like, oh, this yeah. is more horrible than I think I it is. did go into a lot more details, mm-hmm. but I think because those details happened, I need to know and I want to know, yeah. and I think other people do too. Um, yeah, because that's what actually helped, happened to that victim, and yeah. I don't want it sugar-coated. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so we're doing Pisco's, and so I took the Peruvian and Chilean twist a little bit here. Hmm. My serial killer, his name is Pedro Alsonzo Lopez, born on October 8th, 1948, in Santa Isabel, Colombia. And I know it says Colombia. And he became known as the Monster of the Andes. Oh. So the Andes Mountains kind of go from Venezuela in the north, and they go down through Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, Argentina, and Chile. Very high elevation, snow... Yeah. Yeah. I know them from the soccer team that crashed and ate each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a story in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, Pedro. We're going to go back to his childhood. <laughs> now arriving. At his childhood. <laughs> so, Pedro was the child of Medardo Reyes, who was a member of the right-wing party in Colombia during the Civil War in 1947. Medardo was hanging out with his wife one night when they got into an argument. And he's like, I got to go blow off some steam. And he goes and has sex with a sex worker. Okay. And this sex worker's name is uh, Benilda Lopez de Castananda. Castananda. And she becomes pregnant from this encounter. So three months later, Medardo is killed during a rebellion fight in um, La Violencia. What year are we in? We are in like 1947. Okay. Um, so he's dead and Benilda keeps the child and Pedro becomes... Benilda? Benilda. Okay. I've never (laughs) heard that name before. And, um, so Pedro becomes the seventh out of 13 siblings and his mother said that he is like, he's a very polite child and he always wanted to be a teacher. Is his mother dude's wife or his mother, like his mother, like the sex worker? The mother is the sex worker. His mother, mother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Mirdardo goes back to his wife after this encounter. Got it. Yeah. Leaves yeah. her with the child. Yeah. I'm not sure if he ever knew his father. Okay. It kind of seems like maybe But history seems in. to know who his father was. Yeah. So, however, Pedro later was like, oh no, I did not have a good relationship with my mother because she was physically abusive and all of his siblings and him would have to sleep on a big mattress in their room and they'd be behind this curtain while their mother was seeing clients all night. Shoot. Yeah. So that's kind of twisted. Oh. Uh, yeah. So when he's around eight years old, he leaves home. And the stories are that he either just simply ran away because his home life wasn't all that great. Yeah. Or that his mother caught him fondling one of his younger sisters. And his mother was like, you got to get the fuck out. I have raised eyebrows. You can't see. <laughs> but I mean... If he is fondling his younger sister, not I'm not condoning anything, but he he's seen this all of his life, you know, with his mother I, and men. Explanations aren't excuses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so either way, Pedro hits the road and ends up in Bogota, which is the capital city of Colombia, where he starts living on the streets. He eventually made some friends, a.k.a. he joined a gang. (laughs) 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 And he started smoking basuco, which is an impure form of cocaine. So basically, he's on the streets smoking crack. Got it. Yeah. And he's like 
between the ages of eight and ten right now. What? Yeah. He's a young. I was expecting a different gang member, like age wise. Eight and ten. Yeah. I mean poverty. Think of the poverty line. I, think of the, I get it. Yeah. That's just so young. So he's living on the street, and the stranger sees him, and is like, "Hey, Pedro, ugh, my heart bleeds for you." Please come with me. I have this spare bed. Let's, I feel like this isn't a good person. Let's get you off the streets. All right. So Pedro is probably high and thinking that sounds like a great idea. Okay. So he goes with this guy and he's taken to an abandoned building uh, and the guy ends up raping him repeatedly. Yeah. Which later on he says like this is a turning point for him. This He's like yeah. s- starting to lose it right here. Um, so fast Dude, forward. There's so much development happening. Yeah. That is getting so derailed. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward a couple of years and Pedro is now 10 years old and he meets his, el- this elderly American couple and they actually do take him in and give him a home and they even enrolled him at a school for orphans. So, so are these just like expats living in yeah. Columbia? Columbia. Okay. Yeah. And so it seems like life is finally turning around for Pedro until he's around 12 years old, and his teacher at the orphan school decides to diddle him. Mm. And so Pedro pieces out and runs away and starts living that street life again. Because he's like, I can't trust anyone. Why would I stay here? Yeah. So between 18 to 21 years old, reports aren't clear, he gets arrested for stealing a car. And what he was doing is he was stealing cars and selling them to chop shops. Yeah. Um, And so he's sent to prison. And so while he's in prison... Like, the second day he's there, he gets jumped and raped by a group of men. And Pedro just fucking loses it. Yeah. And he goes through the jail, killing each man involved in the rape with a makeshift knife. And thus begins his killing career. Yeah. So at first, you know, you think of, like, how crimes get labeled and, like, crimes of passion. And, like, is it premeditated? Like, to me, this is... That is so guttural and a reaction to being a victim yeah like not not like serial killer in the sense that i think of a normal serial killer at this point yeah yeah because all this like defense you know yeah so pedro gets released around the mid 1970s and he heads to oh perfect time to be a serial killer (laughs) yes anywhere in the world (laughs) and so he heads to peru and he gets into this new hobby of picking up young girls from poor indigenous families. Mm. He would lure them to remote, remote areas where he had already prepared a grave. Sometimes to, he would take them to a grave that he had already put bodies into it. What? Yeah. He would then rape and murder them. During this time, it is reported how, that... Wait, how is he getting them there? He's... I'll let you know. Okay. Um, yeah. So during... I mean, this, never... Like, this is the ultimate second location. Yeah. Yeah. You do not go... His, his, if you can yeah, avoid his it. victims are nine to twelve years old. Shit, they're very young. So that's during, how old, yeah, that's how old he was when, when it, and he talks about that later. Um, during this time, it is reported that he killed dozens of girls. Okay. Later, in an interview with Ron Latirner, Latirner, <laughs> sorry, he's a great reporter. <laughs> he has We're gonna re- mess up names often. <laughs> and we apologize. Yeah, but he has this amazing interview with pedro so he goes and talks to pedro he pedro's been in i'm gonna spoil it called uh solitary confinement for 12 years and ron is the first interviewer he talked to and see he goes he looks so we're, we're zooming forward we're some zooming amount forward. of time because yeah, i'm just so he's excited incarcerated to, at yeah. some point yeah and now there's this like really great 
reporter who's interviewing him. Yeah. Okay. So he's talking to this interviewer, or actually he's, this interviewer is looking in at this jail cell and like this Pedro just has these massive hands and he's just sitting on the floor and like the guards have pistols pointed at him. And so they open the, his door and the interviewer and the um, warden walk in and um, he, the interviewer is like, I put out my hand to shake his hand. And I was like, wait, why the fuck did I do that? Cause yeah. this guy hasn't talked to anybody in years. And so he says, Pedro comes up, grabs his hand and just starts squeezing mm-hmm. to the point that he said yeah. that if he had a wedding band, it would have bro- broken off. It's a real power move. That's how our president shakes hands. <laughs> <laughs> so he keeps squeezing and like the, his fingers are turning different colors. Goodness. And then finally he lets go and he smiles. He's like, okay, I'll do your interview. And he's like, but I want the warden's daughter, who's the scribe, nope. in here with us. Ew. And no they, one agrees to this. And they agree to it. Fuck them. How old's this daughter? I, I don't know. They didn't say. This is bullshit. <laughs> and so they start asking him a couple questions. and then He demands she's in the room with them? Yeah. With, they, with they, all three of them. I, I'm sorry. This is bullshit. There's pistols pointed at him. I don't care. <laughs> so you're not going to like this part. So, so they keep... Look, am I able to see into the future? Something happens? Oh, my God. I'm irritated. I'm so irritated by your story. At least I'm not grossed out yet. Oh. So, they, uh, Ron starts asking him a couple questions. This is, like, this is like written for TV. I know. This is what happens on television shows where you're like, they would never do this. They would never actually bring her in. Continue. Oh. Can I? Yes, Maybe. <laughs> I'm so, really upset. So Ron is asking him a couple questions. And Pedro's like, wait, wait, wait. I want to hold her hands. This is bullshit. And they let it happen. So she puts out her hands and he like grabs her by the wrist, but like just gently. And is holding it and then lets go. And he's like, don't worry. She's 26. She's too old. Ew. Ew. Okay. So. Ron gets to write this amazing article about Pedro. How does he know she's 26? I don't know. He's just shooting. He's I, just he, guessing. He's knowing. Yeah, he knows the warden. And he, he like, he's been there for 12 years. Yeah, all right. Um, so Ron gets this really detailed interview. And so he gets Pedro to explain the killings. Okay. So Pedro says that he would hold the girls like a loving parent to calm them. And he said, and I quote, at the first sign of light, I would get excited. I forced the girl into sex, and I put my hands around her throat. When the, when the sun rose, I would strangle her. It was only good if I could see her eyes. I never killed anyone at night. It would have been wasted in the dark. I had to watch them by daylight. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, he's twisted. So he said he took the, it took the girls uh, 5 to 15 minutes to die while he was strangling them. Mm. He also said... I was very considerate. I would spend a long time. He was very considerate. Very considerate. I would spend a long time with them, making sure they were dead. (laughs) I would use a mirror to check whether they were still breathing. Pedro would then slit the girl's wrists or, oh, sorry. Hey, heads up. This is a gruesome part. (laughs) You know what? At this point, yours are always going to be horrible. (laughs) If you don't like gruesome, don't listen to mine. (laughs) This is Drea. (laughs) Um, so Pedro would then slit the girl's wrists or throats to, to see if the blood was still pumping. If they had somehow survived, he would finish them off. That means at some point that happened. Mm-hmm. He said, sometimes I had to kill them over again, all over again. 
They never screened because they didn't expect anything would happen. They were so innocent. Wow. He then went on to explain how he picked and trapped his victims by saying, um, I walked among the markets searching for a girl with a certain look on her face, a look of innocence and beauty. She would be a good girl, always working with her mother. I followed them, sometimes uh. for two or three days, waiting for the moment when she was left alone. I would give her a pretty, shiny trinket, then get her to leave with me for the edge of town, where I had promised to give her another trinket for her mother. I would often follow tourist families wanting to take their beautiful blonde daughter, <gasps> but I never got the chance. Their parents were too watchful. Oh. Isn't that terrifying? That's like, terrifying. You're on vacation. You have no the, idea. Like, the, like how important stranger danger is and how important, like, it's like, what? oh, that's so hot. I can't even imagine being a parent and trying to figure out you need your kid to protect themselves in a very horrifying and scary way. So you, they need to know from the time they're, like, capable of understanding, this is my body. No one's allowed to touch it. Like, what is okay touching? What's not okay touching? Yeah. So you have to have you have to broach these conversations with a very young child, and it's like at what point do you you know what I mean? Like you also don't need to be I don't know. That's just so all of it. Yeah. So Pedro would also act, uh, also act out gruesome parties with his dead victims by propping them up in their graves and talking to them. He told <sighs> the interviewer, "My little friends like to have company." I often put three or four girls in a single hole and talk to them. Okay. Question. Yeah. When we got crazy people locked up yes. and they're telling us about their crimes. Yes. How often do you think they're just saying the craziest shit they can think of because they know it's shocking? Often. So do you, like, part of me is like, did he ever have these disgusting tea parties or does he just know that that's really shocking? I think he did. Okay. I don't know, because at some point, I don't know, I just feel like he did. Okay. But that's a good question. I do think a lot of them embellish, mm -hmm. but I don't know what percentage. What we'll extent. never know. Yeah. Um, okay, so he had them in the hole, and he was like, it was like having a party. But after a while, because they couldn't move, I got bored and went out looking for new girls. He also explained why he only chose young girls as his victims. Okay. It was like eating chicken. What? Why eat old chicken when you can have a young chicken? That's a crazy thing to say. Yeah. But he also later, it, they said how he was choosing that age because he was raped at that age. And it was I, like, I get, yeah, it was like a full sense. circle kind of thing for him. Mm. So Pedro was eventually caught by the Ayachucos community when he was attempting to kidnap a nine-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. The community decided to hold him to their tribal law and bury him alive for his punishment. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, wait, but he ends up in jail. I know how this sounds. Ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they bury him up to his neck, and they're going to do the whole honey and ants kind of thing. No way. Yes. But your story is out of a television show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, but a fucking Western missionary, missionary. <laughs> you saw on my face, I was like, that's not how you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um, was like, whoa, 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 guys. This is not cool. We got to turn him over to the police. And they eventually agreed and Peruvian police deported him back to Colombia. But he wasn't sent to prison. He just went back to Colombia and became their problem. Wow. Yeah. It's like so. putting people in buses and sending them down to L.A. and Vegas. <laughs> yeah. 
fuck. Yours so, like, now. If that person hadn't come by, they, he would have been, he would have been dead. Ants would have eaten his face. Would have eaten him alive. Ants eating your face? Ugh. <laughs> that sounds horrible. I can't have an ant near I me. I think so. any of those deaths where you're like buried to your neck and like vultures get you or ants or like the tide comes in. Mm. Buried to your neck is not cool with me. Mm-mm. It's very claustrophobic. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, and the one where they put you in the iron bowl and then light a fire underneath the belly and then you just... Have you never just, heard this one? No. So I think it was in Roman times. This could be very wrong. It was during a time. <laughs> <laughs> they had this giant iron bull. Okay. And I think the bat, bull? Bull. Like B-U-L-L? A, B-U-L-L. And there was like a hatch and they'd put you in it and they close the hatch and they light a fire like under the belly. Like an iron lung for polio people, but... No, but murder? you're completely in this iron bull. So imagine... You're, not your, your head's not poking out. You're nope, just in, in it. it. You're imagine in a pot the, and they sealed it. Imagine the bull in New York. That guy. Okay. And then you were in the belly of that bull. Completely. Is, what's the bulk? I'll cool. tell you. Oh, okay. So they put a fire under its belly. Yeah. And it gets nice and hot. And you start screaming and the smoke starts coming out of the nostrils Get of the bull. Of and here. it sounds like the bull is going, huh, huh, and just like screaming. Yeah. It was awful. You are twisted. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is common knowledge. <laughs> Oh, whoa. Yeah. That's I would not want that. That's no, no, that sounds horrible. You would become a liquid mush in there. Do you remember in that Game of Thrones episode where they put the rat on the guy's belly yeah, in the yeah. box? That's another thing. I don't want to die that that's way either. That's another one. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Belly box? No. <laughs> belly box? I don't want the belly box. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> God. So Pedro's back in Colombia, and he just continues to kill and by the late 70s, he's traveled into Ecuador, and dozens more girls are going missing, and families try to find the girls on their own, and they just can't figure out what's going on, because yeah. police are like, well, we think it's the sex trafficking kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. We can't be sure. So until 1980, when a vendor named Carlina Roman catches Pedro trying to kidnap her daughter from a busy market, okay. she literally looks up from her work and sees this man hand in hand with her daughter walking away, and she just How starts scary as shit is screaming. Yeah, she's like, "No!" In yeah. the whole market, if you saw a stranger holding your kid's hand, yeah, not talking to them, mm-hmm. not holding their hand mm-hmm. mm. away from you, yeah, well, yeah. 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 And so she starts screaming, and the whole market stops what they're doing, and they jump Pedro. It takes a village. It takes a fucking village. They fucking get him. So once Pedro was uh, in police custody, he refuses to talk. And he's in Ecuador right now? He's in Ecuador. Okay. So he refuses to talk, and so investigators have a priest named Cordova uh, Gudino go undercover as an inmate. For 27 days. Ooh, trapped his ass. And he gets close to Pedro, and he says that he, like, was so scared the guy was going to strangle him in his sleep that he wore a towel around his neck. <laughs> and he was How's just like, I don't know, like, if he comes at you yeah. in the middle of the night. And so Pedro eventually tells him everything, like, every gruesome detail. Like, the pastor is just like, oh, my God, what did I sign up for? And, and he thinks this is just, like, cell talk? Yeah, well, yeah. He's just like, he told me more than I had ever imagined a man could, like, come up with. Yeah. And so he tells him all about the murders and where he buried the bodies. And Pedro admitted that he killed three girls a week, saying, I like the girls in Ecuador. They are more gentle and trusting, more innocent. Ew. Yeah. So the police think he's just embellishing. 
because uh, three girls a week that's insane they'd notice numbers missing right like yeah you'd think. yeah yeah but they don't, don't know, know what's what. traveling yeah. yeah the trafficking and everything he's been through colombia ecuador yeah. peru yeah and so um they think he's embellishing about all of his murders until a flash flood unearths a mass <gasps> grave and these oh. poor girls bodies some had been strangled so hard that their eyes had popped out of Ew. their head. Yeah. And so the police then go track down other barrel spots because Pedro starts taking They're them. They're like, oh, he's telling the truth. Yeah. They find 57 more bodies. Whoa. In Ecuador. What's this guy's name? Pedro? Uh, Pedro Lopez. Okay. And so he then claimed that he had actually killed around 300 girls throughout Peru, Colombia, and Ecuador. That is insane. On July 31st, 1981, 33-year-old Pedro, he's only 33 years old, mm-hmm. pled guilty to the murders of 110 girls and was imprisoned in Ambato, where he was officially diagnosed as a sociopath. Yeah. Because of Ecuador's laws, Pedro was only sentenced to 16 years, which oh. they later changed to 25 years. <laughs> Your face. Well, I'm oh. just... I, if you're a psychopath... Mm-hmm. Sociopath, psychopath. What they call them? So sociopath. If you're a sociopath that has uh, admitted to a hundred and how many? Ten. In Ecuador alone, I just three hundred altogether. I just don't understand any sort of release date. I was reading. I'm not going to get all the details right, but they had this law in place that it was only sixteen years because some kind of up. Rising a rebellion, kind of it's you, for the dictatorship. Warfare, yeah, they they wanted to make it military, stuff. humane. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but they they didn't think of this at that time. That wasn't a thing. Yeah, you know, it's the seventies. Everyone's just out there killing people. <laughs> they don't know it's a problem yet. Having a great old time. <laughs> oh my goodness! So that is nineteen eighty one. So then he gets out, and then what? No, he's still... No, no, no. I'll let you finish. Yeah. So, 1981, he pleads guilty, blah, blah, blah. He gets 16 years. On August 31st, 1994, Pedro was released from Garcia Moreno prison after serving just 14 years. 94, out and loose. In an interview from his prison cell, Pedro described himself as the man of the century. No one will ever forget me. And he said he was being released for good behavior. Yeah. So then he was rearrested an it's hour. It's weird that he didn't uh, kidnap and rape any nine-year-old girls when he was in prison. <laughs> it's, it's weird that he was like yeah. on good behavior for a couple of years. <laughs> Just a bunch of men, you know, doing men things. So he gets released, and then an hour later he gets rearrested. Shut up. Yes, for being an illegal, illegal, an illegal immigrant, and handed over to Colombian authorities, who who charged him with a twenty-year-old murder. Okay. So he's then deported to Colombia because Colombia has a death sentence and they can do a firing squad on him. Holy cow. Yeah. So this is in the 90s, firing squad Colombia? Yeah. So the 90s. Isn't that crazy? This is nuts. So he's deported to Colombia where authorities attempted to convict him of the murders from back then. But instead, Pedro was declared insane and in 1995 was institutionalized in a psychiatric facility. So, in February of 1998, so three years later, he was declared sane. Magically. I'll bet that guy feels bad. (laughs) Yeah. I'll bet that doctor's like, whoops. And he's released under um, a $50 bail. Cool. So, which is insane because he is quoted as saying, someday when I'm released, 
I will feel that moment again. I will be happy to kill again. It's my mission. Shut up. It's my mission. I'm so irritated. (laughs) Your story is irritating. (laughs) It's always irritating. So he gets out and he visits his elderly mother, which he hasn't seen since he was eight. And he's pissed at her. He's pretty mad. Wouldn't you be mad? Yeah. I feel like this is... I feel like he could say in his own mind, this is her fault. Yeah. So he goes and sees sees her and he's like, hey, I'm just here for my inheritance. Just give it to me. And she's like... She's like, don't I have to be dead for that? (laughs) Oh, oh, no, don't say that. (laughs) But she's like, "Uh, what inheritance? I have 13 kids. I'm a sex worker. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) Do you want a barrette? (laughs) So Pedro did the only reasonable thing. And that was to sell her only furniture, which was her bed and her chair, to people on the street. Oh, my God. So he sells that. He takes that money. And Pedro just vanishes. And nobody knows where he is today. To this day? To this day. Why would you tell me this story? Let me react to it. Let me say shit about this guy. And have him be out in the wind. Do you think he's listening to podcasts? <laughs> he's obsessed with himself. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. I can't believe you did this to me. I feel, I feel taken advantage of. Pedro, homie, I just told your story. (laughs) Oh, he's out there? Yeah. So it's hard because, okay, so young girls are still going missing. He was born when? In the 40s? Uh, He was born. Late 40s, 47? 47, 48? 1948. So he's an old man. He's an old man. I can hope that he's feeble. Do you think he's making his way up here? I don't know. All right. So young girls are still going missing. He wanted those blonde ones. We're too old. Thank God. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> no one knows where he is. He's just out there murdering he girls. Just, yeah. So girls are... Do we need another flash flood? Like, <laughs> then it's like, oh, he's been here. Yeah. This is crazy. So he, young girls are still going missing, but, you know, they think it's sex trafficking still. Oh, so, um, but police do think he has a connection to a murder that happened in 2002. But I think it's a lot more than that. Um, yeah. Do you want to see his picture? Yes. So you know if he's like coming at you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he looks like. What does he look like? He looks like. He looks like he's been on TV. You th- <laughs> does he look familiar to you? No. 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 Like okay, so we'll post this on Instagram and our website. His profile. He looks like a good-looking guy. Yeah. You didn't want to say. <laughs> I didn't want. I watched your hesitation. <laughs> You didn't want to say I it. I didn't want to say it. He looks like a decent looking guy. But that's also, I think that's part of how you get away with that kind of volume of victims. Yeah. Is you don't look like a creep. Yeah. Because you have to get these young girls to come follow you. And like, obviously, I don't care what culture you're from. From a young age, I'm pretty sure everyone's telling their young girls, don't go with men. Yeah. <sighs> But yeah. But the, well, then you also have like very masculine cultures where it's like you listen to men. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily that you're supposed to go away with go them. Away. Yeah. But that adults, that adults are in charge and adults are right and you're a child and you're wrong. Yeah. That's the terrifying part. Ugh. And he's just like, come with me. I'll give you a trinket. Oh, but I have more trinkets over here and you want to give your mother one. I gotta think of who that guy looks like and then show you a picture. When I figure it out and then have you be like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's Pedro Lopez. My goodness. The monster of the Andes. Um, He killed over 300 girls. 
he's still at large today. Presume he might be dead. He, but I, yeah. I feel like he's I, alive. I, I would like a, a, what do you call it? Computer generated photo of what he could look like today. Oh yeah. 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 I want a wrinkly version of that. <laughs> oh God. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't know what you're saying. Okay, Jackie. <laughs> I don't want a wrinkly version of that. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a short break. We're going to make the Chilean Pisco Sour. Yeah. And then we'll come back and we'll hear Jackie's story. Here we go. All right, you guys. We are back and we just made the Chilean Pisco Sour. Um, so this one doesn't have the egg whites. Thank God. <laughs> I'm not saying the other one was bad. I'm just... It creeped me out. Mentally. Yeah. It was just mentally horrible, but... Very delicious to the taste buds. So no egg whites, no bitters, and we're doing two ounces of Pisco versus three ounces. Same amount of uh, simple syrup, and we have that fresh lime in there. Mm-hmm. How do you like it, Jackie? It's very reminiscent of a gimlet. Mm. And we both love gimlets. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you got that fresh lime in there, which is delicious. Um, you know, I'm curious. I might take a little sip of each pisco later oh because i'm curious just what the pisco tastes like yeah yeah yeah. no that's a really good idea because you know this is essentially just lime juice sugar juice and some pisco right mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's quite delightful i like it i would say i think after first sip my reaction was i mean that is a completely different drink mm-hmm. yeah no, i think totally. each country's fine you know what i mean like i don't know what they're arguing about because they're different and they're both amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I could say I like one more than the other. Delicious, though. Delicious. So good on you, Peru and Chile. Nice job. <laughs> and thank you, Caroline, for... For inspiring Yeah, this for giving you drink. a bottle of Pisco. Yeah. And as always, guys, not that we've ever mentioned this, but as always, go ahead and shoot us an email. Oh. Like our Instagram photos and tell us which drink we should do next. Yeah. Put us to the challenge. We're just kind of doing whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you engage with us through the social medias, we'll ad- adjust potentially. We might just be like, no, we like it this way. But <laughs> we might also listen to you. Hopefully we listen. <laughs> Depends on what the suggestion is. <laughs> That's true. Um, okay. So mine involves both Peru and Chile. Ooh. Uh, are you familiar mm. with Joran Vandersloot? I feel like I know the last name Vandersloot. Because it's very unique. It's very unique. And I feel like, isn't it one of the higher up families? No. Oh. <laughs> Look at your face. No. <laughs> Back in 2005, uh-huh. Natalie Holloway went missing in Aruba. Yes. She was on like a senior trip. Her photo was everywhere. Uh-huh. Where did Natalie go? Then there was a lot of backlash of like, why does everyone care about this blonde white girl who went missing? There's all these other missing people in the world. Um, still relatively unsolved when it comes to the Natalie Holloway disappearance slash murder. The number one suspect is Joran Vandersloot. <gasps> he was hanging. It was he was hanging out with her the last night that she was seen. There's like video of them leaving a hotel where are we we're florida that was down in aruba so they're like yeah so he's a dutch national and he's living in aruba i think just like working at resorts or i'm not quite sure why he's down there then there's these two brothers they may or may not be twins again this part's not my murder so i'm just 
freeballing this off my memory. Then there's these two brothers who I think are involved. The three of them were hanging out with her. I don't know that there was another girl with them. They're all drinking. There's like going out on boats involved. At some point, Natalie probably dies and they dump her body probably in the ocean. Oh. And her family's super, like, there's just no justice. And he's also kind of just being a turd and like saying some (laughs) things and then saying different things and like being helpful and not being helpful. And it's just like, what? He comes across as so incredibly, obviously guilty. Uh, Trying him in court would be difficult because there's just so, he's just, he's one of those like really obviously guilty people, which Mm -hmm. when you try and think of court as being, you know, super fair to everybody. Like Robert Durst. Yeah. (laughs) So... Uh, so he essentially gets away with murder. Now he's just footloose and fancy free. Uh, he's hanging out in Lima, Peru, and he's partying at this like casino hotel. Okay. So he's partying at this hotel and he goes down to a, uh, poker table and he meets this, uh, girl, Stephanie Flores. So she's 21. He's probably like, he's in his twenties, 26, maybe, um, but he meets her, he brings her back up to his hotel room and all you really have to go off of is his side of the story because she's dead. And he, he so obviously is the murderer in this one. It's his hotel room. Her body is found. He's fled the scene. She's been robbed. He initially like, and he gets picked up. His fingerprints are everywhere. It's under his like actual name. Uh, and he at first is like, oh no, someone broke into the room and like robbed her. I had, and he like tries to weasel out of it. And I what ran away during the robbery or he wasn't there or whatever Mm, he says. Um, then he's one of these people that'll like admit to it and then he'll like recant his admission. Um, a lot of them do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, cause then they're not being interrogated for 15 hours anymore and then they're like, uh, I didn't mean that. Yeah. Wait a minute. No, sorry. So. What they're thinking is um, that she saw something on a computer that implicated him in the Natalie Holloway murder. Got it. And what I don't know if this is just comes some like overzealous detective who's like, it was probably about this other murder that he's known for, mm-hmm. or if there's actual like, you know, digital forensics that show that, you know, a pop-up chat. I think it had something to do with like an online poker room, like a chat from somebody or someone like commenting to him about i know what you did like something happened where then he like freaked out and according to him he was wasted he said that he was at least 10 drinks in that he'd been drinking whiskey and pisco (laughs) okay so you got two of it oh yeah yeah um uh and in this article a peruvian grape liqueur or excuse me liquor wait uh, is he drinking pisco on the rocks i think he's just drinking pisco what a savage well, we don't know what it tastes like. Maybe it's the delicious All right. straight up drink. Um, so do you, I, you feel like a details person. Do you kind of want details about what yes. he says happened? When have I ever said no? This is gross. Tell me. Okay. So this is from his, like, this is in quotation marks. He said this on the record. It sounds like this might be, be gory. Yeah. So heads up, heads everyone. Up. This uh, is Jackie's story, so it's never gory. <laughs> this is this one's uh she was on the bed when he hit her hard with his right elbow so she in, in some way makes him 
nervous that he's going to get caught for this other murder. And he hits her with his right elbow. Now I'm back to the quote. I think her head went back and hit the wall. Then she begins to bleed. Immediately I get on top of her with both hands and begin to strangle her, uh, keeping her that way for a minute. After that, I throw her to the floor, but she keeps breathing. At that moment, I take off my shirt and put it on her face, pressing on it. I don't remember for how long, but she stops breathing. In this way, I think I caused her death, he said when investigators asked for details on the murder. Wow. So, I mean, strangulation. It takes a while to actually kill someone it seems by like a, strangling them. It seems like a gnarly way to kill somebody. Yeah. Because it's just, it's just minutes, which seems like lifetime. Yeah. And, like, the pressure and strength you have to have behind it to actually go through with it. Yeah. I feel like that's such a... I feel like my hands would get tired. Yeah. It's a very personal way to kill yes. someone. But it sounds like he did it for a minute, minute push her down. Like, he picked her up at the poker table. It's, it doesn't, from what I can gather, it doesn't sound like he really knew her. Like, this yeah. is just kind of like a drunk hookup at a hotel, met Gone wrong. drunk at the poker table. Yeah. Um, now he's like, regardless, like, because also, like, you're reading, like, what it was that set him up. Like, anyone on the internet could be like, you're a murderer. A million people have said, was it, you're a murderer. Was, I, I'm going to get you. I know, I know all the details. So I think he's just, like, three sheets to the wind, mm-hmm. gets the scary message, no, is it, it him overboard. telling investigators he got a scary message or investigators now? I, I believe he told them and then potentially there's the online forensics. Who fucking cares? I, it's internet trolls. Right? Yeah. And why is he using his real name in a chat room? You could be anyone in a chat room. I have so many questions. I don't have the answers. Okay. Uh, okay. So, oh, this takes so, so many chairs. So, uh, I, I do recommend looking into the Natalie Holloway yeah. murder because mm-hmm. there's just, it's right up your alley. There are... All sorts of ridiculous details and, like, conflicting stories and it's in another country and, like, all this stuff. Um, Following the murder, Vandersloot left his hotel room, purchased two cups of coffee and some cake, returned to the room, and ate breakfast over Flores' body. No. No. Okay, I get leaving the room, going to get breakfast, and, like, leaving. Mm -hmm. But you come back? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's psychotic. Yeah, he's already gotten away with murder. Like, if in my opinion, he's already gotten away with murder once. Are you sure he's not from like wealth? I think there's some money involved because it sounds like he had a great attorney for the first thing, Mm -hmm. and I feel like he's just like, oh, I'm not worried about it. He's just kind of a young playboy living abroad. Yeah, yeah. Daddy will get me out of this. Okay, all right. So, okay, so uh, he's kind of on the hook for this one. He can't really wiggle his way out of it, but he's run away at this point. So part of them, like, catching, they catch him in Chile. Hey. So Chile extradites him to Peru to go on trial for Stephanie Flores' murder. Uh, He's convicted of that murder, and the maximum sentence is 30 years, and he gets 28. Okay. In the meantime, he's been, like, dicking around and giving Natalie Holloway's family a hard time and was like, so now he's so... The U.S. wants him, not for her murder, because they can't prove the murder, but the U.S. wants him for, they want him for extortion and wire fraud, because he essentially reached out to Natalie Holloway's mom and was like, hey, if you wire me all this money, I'll tell you stuff about that night. Are you shitting me? Are you- I am not. Shitting me? No. That is disgusting. He's a a pile of shit. Could you imagine being that family? No, I cannot. Being like, go ahead and give me money, and I'll tell you about the gruesome murder of your daughter. Yes. Fuck that guy. 
So get ready for this. No. Um, I start reading that like it's relatively recent new, like recent being like 2014, I think. Uh, that he'd been stabbed in prison. Oh. He'd been stabbed in the shoulder and the so waist he's in, and the groin. He's in he's Peruvian in Peru. jail. Okay. Oh, God. Peruvian prison. Uh, he was stabbed all over. He gets stabbed all over. Do you know who's really upset? Who? His wife, <gasps> who just gave birth to their baby. No. I don't understand. So, I've, obviously, they're still married at mm, this point. Mm-hmm. This is a second woman. I don't think he was married before. No, I no. think this is a prison wife. Oh, you think he was in prison? Oh, let me Google it real fast. All I'm right. pretty sure this is a prison wife. And that's its whole... I, I started a documentary on it, on, like, women who marry wait, men wait, on, so like, death row. So that would mean she was... She would have to visit him in jail to yes. have... Yeah. Okay. Conjugal visits. So, I, I was thinking they were married. He met this girl in Peru, but he's single when he goes down to Peru. Uh, we're thinking. I'll get an answer because that it to me, I did not know him to be married during all those other times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was just, I immediately went to because I think it's so nuts the ladies that write to killers and want to be there and the, like marry them. I started a documentary on it, and it just made me so sad. I had to turn it off because they're always they're like intelligent women mm-hmm. with jobs. But they're so emotionally brought, like all of them, something horrible happened in their life that there's this thing about having this loving relationship that they're able to have control over. Mm-hmm. He can't physically hurt them. Exactly. He can't show up anytime. Like they have complete control over the relationship. It's fascinating. Let's see how long this dude's been married. He's married to, they got married in 2014. So if he murdered her, if he murdered, if he murdered Natalie Holloway, that was 2005. And then he murdered Stephanie Flores in 2012. So she's definitely marrying him after the fact. So is she a Peruvian national or is she from the States? And she Her name down? is Lady Figueroa Uceda. So I'm guessing she's Peruvian. Mm-hmm. Or she at least lives in Peru. Yeah. There's, she doesn't have her own Wikipedia which probably How good, does good one go about writing a murder? In, like, do you get their name from the Let's news? Let's rewind time yeah. to a couple months ago where oh. you told me <laughs> we should write a murderer and interview them. I'm still not opposed. No, I am opposed. <laughs> I just told you my greatest fear is someone's going to want to murder us. Okay, no, but this is my thing. Okay. You, okay, so you're at home, you're watching the news, you see this whole thing, yeah. and you're like... I should write this guy. He's lonely. Or like, how do you know I, where to post it? You I know what I mean? I don't know. I should rewatch the sad documentary that I obviously didn't memorize much about. I feel like, one, there are religious groups that interact with prisons. And they will have, uh, they'll send people in to pray for them or have like, you know, in the, in the same way that uh, like Girl Scout troops will go to old folks' homes mm-hmm. and visit them and give them flowers. Like it's here's some people who are lonely and sad and need your love and compassion. Yeah. So I think that there are groups that go. I think there are like online chat rooms that are like meet up. I I definitely think there are like meet a prisoner chat rooms and like because they have internet now. Yeah. Yeah. I was some, some I mean, depending on what your yeah, restrictions I was, are. I was reading this Vice prison like a day in the life of a prisoner yeah, and he yeah. was talking about how he went minute by minute essentially like what he did he woke up at like 3 a.m 
and started his day. And at some point, he had time to go online. So he would... He was would, it like their library time? He had like an iPad or he was doing something where he was writing emails offline and then he would connect to the internet and they would upload and then he would send them. Weird. And like I knew a, I knew a guy. I, I dated this guy off of Tinder <laughs> for a couple months before I realized he was in prison and a couple of other things. Well, These all snowballed. They came out. As he we, was currently in prison while you're talking. No, 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 or no, no, no. He had been to prison. No, no. We, I was on Tinder. Mm-hmm. I, sw- I swiped right. We met up, and he seemed normal enough. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, like I, I have not heard the story. I'm fascinated. <laughs> he's like, oh, you know, I don't drink, and I was like, oh, that's totally fine. That's that, you know, to each his own. Blah blah blah. And I was like, can I ask why you don't drink? He's like, oh, well, my parole officer says. <laughs> he's like, I actually got a DUI, and so I have to be okay. sober for the year. And I was like, oh, you know. And then things just started coming. And then I realized, I went over to his house and realized he lived kind of in a halfway house. And then I realized... This he, is fascinating. And then I realized he'd been to prison. And I was like, okay. And he was like, oh, yeah, in prison we got, like, I had a TV in my cell and, like, all this stuff. And I was like, that doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I, like, break it off. I realized he's a little bit younger. It's not... I've, I've been yeah. through all that. I'm older. It's I'd, not a love connection. It's not a... It's, he was very attractive but i was like not for me (laughs) this is Um, why it lasted a little bit longer (laughs) and so yeah exactly and so a couple months later he is um engaged to this other girl Mm -hmm. who has this kid Mm. and she actually had enough do you know what he went to prison for i can't i think it was drugs okay and this girl had an affair with the one of the members of my chemical romance it was on one of those like groupie. Oh wait, I kind of remember you telling yes, me the story groupie now. Groupie made it to the top, kind of thing. Oh my god, I kind of remember. Yeah, this. so I see her pictures with her son with my Chemical Romance dude, and then and and then he she is now with the guy I was dating, and then a couple months later, she has missing person photos. What up? She's missing, and on that missing poster his face is on it what? being like last seen with such and such guy have you seen my daughter yeah isn't that and that's the last that's the end of your story no 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 they find her okay <laughs> and she is alive um but that's the end of that i don't know i don't know what happened it seemed like they had a very tumultuous affair. yeah yeah whoa isn't that crazy that is crazy that's great i was like oh my god i dodged such a big bullet <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> yeah whoa Oh, Gen- man. Gender man, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> I like, and I did that stupid thing as a girl. Like, we always talk about make sure you tell all your friends. Yeah. And I told all my friends, but I like met up with them. It was at night and we did the river walk. Yeah. At night. Yes. Idiot. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a bunch of times where it's like, when you're when you're gonna go on a date, whether it's like, and then typically, obviously, it's early in the relationship where you haven't sussed out whether or not they're a murderer. Yeah. Uh, but you do. You'll have like either a find my friend app on your phone or you're like texting your friend or like this is their license plate or like whatever the situation is where it's like if I'm going to like first of all hopefully I'm not putting myself in a position to be murdered uh but if I am I definitely want justice yeah yeah you find this fellow I want to be on record yeah first of all I'm gonna do what I can to try and get some physical evidence DNA scratch look under my fingernails look at my mouth I'm biting them oh fuck you know, well, I almost don't want to give away my move. Don't, Jackie. Tell me off air. I will. Okay. I just remember I was watching a movie one time, 
and you never see this move. And I, I literally in the movie theater, I'm not a movie theater yeller talker person. <laughs> and really? in this, yeah, I don't. Well, maybe. <laughs> I really try not to be. Okay. I'll like whisper like one good joke a movie to a friend, <laughs> but I try to really contra- contain myself. But I saw that I just couldn't. It was it just came from within. I just went, "That's my move," <laughs> and the whole theater laughed, and I felt ridiculous it was like someone getting murdered obviously yeah okay well i'll tell you later what do it they was. think that murdering someone is your move or what the person did i was don't your move i think it would have in context it would have made, made sense, sense. Okay. yeah okay tell me later yeah okay everyone else is gonna be dying to know <laughs> hey oh hey <laughs> all the puns unintentional pun? that's punishment oh god <laughs> god we gotta stop all right was that the end of your yeah that's essentially it all right, guys, that has been the Pisco Sour episode. Um, I recommend that drink. It's super good. And yeah. Um, yeah. And suggest a drink for us, guys. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we We're need that. We're only so creative. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com. For up-to-date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at michellefirmdesign.com. Use coupon code KILLERCOCKTAILS, that's one word, for 15% off your entire order. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. (laughs) 